evidence and answers. When trial after trial seems to follow you, and it seems like there's no way out, where do you turn? Comfort and peace? Well, they seem so far from you. Sometimes you feel like you're at the bottom of a pit and completely helpless. But God. Those two words, but God. They can and will make all the difference. You're tuned to Evidence and Answers with your host, Pat Zucran. Pat is an author, teacher, and international speaker in the arena of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. Today, Pat will be speaking with Randy, Jill, and Ian Rogers about this very topic and will share their testimony of how God brought them through a series of tremendous trials. If you're unable to hear any of this broadcast, all of our messages are available on our website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. Now, on to part three with our host, Pat Zucran. What's the best way to pray? What is your will here because we know there is another family that has to experience loss in order for us to gain. Mm -hmm. And we knew Ian was looking forward to seeing Jesus. We knew that he had a security for forever and we didn't know about this other family and, and, and where they were at and, and they're trusting Jesus or not. So I was always trying to figure out how to pray until I got to the place of just saying that is that's not my business. I can't. I kept trying to figure out what's the best way to pray until I just got to a place of desperation. I said, please help my son. Okay. And I would trust that God would also hear the prayers of this other family. We're hoping actually that we would get to enjoy eternity with this other person who gave, who ended up donating their heart to Ian at the time of their loss. I'm hoping in that we could enjoy Christ's victory in their life and in our life at the same time. Yeah, you know. know. Well, you know, Randy and Jill, Ian pulled through. A heart donation did come in answer to prayer. And that's why Ian is, we get to enjoy Ian here today. But you weren't out of the woods. <laughs> were you? I mean, right after you, you just faced another crisis right away. Randy, why don't you tell us about that? Well, on top of, I mean, not just, you know, once, once a person gets a new heart, there is still a whole new set of problems. So Ian actually had to deal with not just being kind of rescued and everything being okay. He has a lot to deal with just to manage this new heart and not rejecting it. So that's actually a whole nother story. But it did turn out that, you know, when things sort of settled down, I decided to go check out some symptoms that I was experiencing in my left ear, hearing loss and some numbness in my face. And it turned out that I was diagnosed with a, a brain tumor called an acoustic neuroma. And we were thinking, well, that's strange timing. That yeah. <laughs> now we would have to kind of react pretty quickly and have a surgery to get that removed. And part of me was wondering, you know, the stories have to be connected in some way. One of the most simple ways that I could see is God gave us really, really good training of talking to doctors and living in the hospital and navigating that whole health crisis situation so that when we did get to having to schedule surgery and, and ask all the questions that we had to ask of doctors about my own situation, that we felt really comfortable, really well equipped to uh, to deal with life-saving surgeries. Yeah. I don't know if I felt comfortable. <laughs> I, I I felt like we were all we were all geared up for this big thing. Like Who I is was, that? I was ready. I was a little bit afraid because you guys were talking about how stressful it was to come in there and see me sick and I was like, I wonder what it'll be like. 
for me to watch my my dad be in so much pain and I was I was all ready and I was I was geared up I had I had my Bible because one of the techniques that helped me get through is I was praying and reading the Bible just trusting God but one of the things I was scared about was how am I gonna feel how am I gonna feel just seeing him in pain we were all um, ready for the worst and we walked in there and the surgery and recovery and just getting out of the hospital it only took three days I felt like it wasn't we were prepared for the worst and it was only three quarters of the worst three quarters <laughs> well, <laughs> and not only that but compared to what ian endured what i experienced you know just physically what i experienced in terms of the diagnosis and preparation and surgery itself it was kind of nothing it was it was really it, brain surgery ended up mm. being kind of a minor issue mm. compared to what we were experiencing and you know so it felt Felt okay. Well, you know, Jill, you said that <laughs> watching Ian, it was just the pain that was just unbearable. And now here's your husband going through this. And, you know, those two are sitting here going, eh, it was okay. But uh, what were you thinking? Were you thinking I like, thinking, this is not okay. Right, Lord, why not? Another one, Lord? Come on. <laughs> I mean, what were you thinking here? I don't know. So much of my life is like, what is going on? This is super extraordinary. So part of me thought this is so unreal. It's got to be by the hand of God only who can orchestrate something like this. And and even right after transplant, Ian went in and had a seizure. Actually, before the seizure, when he got the transplant, I thought, oh, no, God, now we're going to feel like you're just the big sugar daddy in the sky, just answering our prayers and making our life so easy. We're going to grow complacent and not trust in you. You're not going to hear this concert of prayer from around the world of people just trusting in you for us. And then Ian had a seizure, and I thought, oh, okay, so there's still going to be opportunities to trust you and to be brought to our knees. And then he got diagnosed with his brain tumor, so I thought, there is always going to be opportunity for us to fall on our faces before the Lord because we live in this dark world and this is not heaven. So yeah, in a way, it was like heart transplant, brain tumor, heart transplant, brain tumor. We, we could do this. We did heart transplant. We could do brain surgery. But it's been a hard battle for the mother of the child with heart failure and muscular dystrophy and the wife of the husband who has the brain tumor, the surgery and the recovery. He's not yet the same. He's still recovering and is weak and often sad and struggling with his own losses. So it's hard to watch my men. Whenever I feel, I'd feel good again. Whenever I'd feel great, I'd be like, maybe I don't have muscular dystrophy. Maybe it was, maybe I, my medical records just got mixed up with somebody else's. <laughs> and then, and then something something would happen, something something different would happen to normal people, and I would be like, oh, no, I still have muscular dystrophy. Mm. And just like my dad's brain tumor was, maybe now that I'm done with this, maybe we can continue and, and keep keep going. We won't have any more problems. And then and my dad goes into a brain tumor, and I said, well, I guess I guess we have a little bit of ways to go before, because my brother and I are both so related that in the future – we see another heart transplant for him also. Well, we hope not. We definitely hope not. Yeah, we hope that uh, we can Avoid see Micah that. grow up and, and not have to deal with those things too. Yeah, God's got a story for Micah all his own. Yeah. Yeah. I remember in 
at the Benioff Children's Hospital uh, when I started thinking about going through all of this again. And this was early on in the crisis. I was able to sleep by myself in the Ronald McDonald house. And my thoughts went to Micah and I just, I almost couldn't stand just almost fainted because I thought, Lord, I cannot bear that all over again. And I felt like he was saying to me, Jill, you put one foot in front of the other, one foot. And I literally took one foot in front of the other through this journey. Because if I try and fast forward and think about all the things that could be in store for us, that nobody can bear that. Nobody can bear all the possible bad things that you think could happen to you. You really, I really need to learn how to live in the moment and to thank the Lord for them and to look for the joy and not let the, not let the pain and fear rob me of what I have in the present moment and right now. Because he definitely has brought joy for the journey. We laughed a lot in the hospital. We have some really sweet memories of playing games with our kids and friends that would come in and pray for us and looking back and thinking the whole world was praying all over the world. I think you were in the Holy Land yes, and we your were. tour bus was praying for us and sending us pictures. And uh, we had people in Brazil, Cameroon, Japan, Singapore, Singapore every <laughs> and all over the United States praying for Ian and for his heart mm. and then praying for Randy. There are a couple of things on my mind as we're talking about these things. One, you were kind of, you were sort of saying Ian and I were, okay with this and kind of dealing with this it's it is one thing to sort of be the person being operated on because we we just yield i mean we just kind of go through it but i did tell jill at one point i thought if it was her that got diagnosed with a brain tumor after we had gone through this i would feel i think helpless and so eager to try and do something to help and so i think it would be a very different experience if it was Jill, the one having to have surgery for me, I would, I think I would struggle even more. And so yeah, I, I, I remember thinking, oh, so glad it wasn't my mom. Cause I remember thinking about how inadequate my dad was talking to the doctors. <laughs> <laughs> Jill is much more adequate talking to doctors and kind of navigating that system than me. Cause like, um, in, in the morning when the doctors would come round at our rooms, I'd be in my bed and I'd be sort of sleeping, but I'd be able to hear everything. And then I'd hear my dad talk and then I'd hear my mom talk. And I was like, hopefully something, everything's okay with my mom. Hopefully nothing goes wrong with her because we can't, we can't do this doctor stuff without my mom. So <laughs> I'm really thankful that she Thanks, was. Ian. Yes, you know what I hear in your story here, James chapter one, verse two, it says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you face trials of various kind. And I hear through your story that even through these very difficult times, when it just seemed wave upon wave of trial coming, there still was a never ending joy mm -hmm. that was still in there. Even through all the pain and all the crying, there was still joy. And, and James says, count it all joy when you meet trials, plural, not a trial, <laughs> trials, plural. And that's what you were going through, many trials of various kinds, yet you were still able to find joy in all that. How, tell us about that. What is joy to you? And how did you experience joy even in those most difficult times? Well, besides, you know, one of the things that Jill was saying um, of what it did for us as a family to be able to kind of come together and endure it together, that's that was like going on an adventure as a family and going through something difficult. 
and there's there's a lot of joy in what happened in terms of how we're able to bond as a family. But beyond that, um, one of the really beautiful things that I noticed is we didn't go through it alone. Mm-hmm. There were so many, as Jill was saying, from our church families and our extended church families who are actually kind of entering into this with us. And we were all experiencing it together. It wasn't just uh, our church family and our community sort of having pity on us. Everybody was experiencing God and his goodness as they prayed and as they spent time seeking him. God actually blessed a lot of people. And because we all sort of experienced that together, there were times when we would come together just to worship. We, we set aside times just to come together to worship and pray. And, and that whole community experience made something really, really beautiful, a knowledge of God, a sense of his presence, a love for each other mm-hmm. that just grew out of, out of this experience that maybe wouldn't have if, you know, we would just kind of carry on as usual. And so all of us got to experience God in really beautiful, deep ways. And he was very present. I had to get evaluated by the social worker and and she came in. She asked me questions about how how I feel, how I was doing that day, how I felt think knowing about getting a heart transplant. And this sentence, Ian, you're such a strange boy. I've heard that more than strange? Any, I've heard that more than any other sentence in my whole life because 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 of how I'm just you are. I'm just so different. I am strange in some <laughs> in some ways more than others, but most of the thing is because I believed I had, I had nothing to lose, and that just that just made me that just made me giddy. I wasn't just joyful; I was I was giddy. You'd be like Ian, how can you be so happy? And I'd just I'd just be like, ha 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 ha. <laughs> yeah, he is strange. We had an argument recently. He said, "Mom, when I die, I don't want you to be sad. You can't cry when I die because I'm going to be in heaven and I'm going to be so happy." Isn't that strange from my 14-year-old, right? Do you want to tell the rest of the argument, Ian? Yes, and I had been thinking a while before I approached my mom about this. Why do people cry? Why are we so sad when people die? Because most of the time I'm like, I don't want to cry. This person is so happy. And sometimes I, w- I want to cry, but I say, no, it's not, it's not the time to cry. That's because he's strange. But, yeah, that, that was my strangeness because... No. I'm different from other yeah. people. So I brought this to my mom and I said, Mom, when I die, don't cry. Because I believe you shouldn't cry. And my mom tells me this great truth. You should hear it in her own words. I'll, I'll turn it back to her. But before I do, she told me this great truth about why we cry. And I believe her so fully that at a funeral, I, I'll, I probably will. You'll let yourself cry. cry. I'll let myself cry, definitely. But <laughs> I'll, I'll be I'll be sad. Well, you know, so I had my 14-year-old son who feels like he knows everything telling me why I shouldn't be crying. And I said, I'm going to cry because I'm your mom and I'm going to miss you. And I remember this story. And I had this. So this is what I explained to him when he was a little boy and um, I was nursing him. And we kind of fell asleep while we were watching Sesame Street. And I woke up in this daze to Elmo saying, bye-bye, Elmo loves you. And all the monster puppets were out on Sesame Street. And I, I had this 
fear rise up inside of me. And I said, oh my gosh, is this the last episode of Sesame Street? And I began to cry and thought, Lord, why do goodbyes hurt so much? Why does endings, do endings hurt so much? And so it put me on this journey again, wondering why this hurts so much. And as I read the word, I was reading in scripture that we've been created in God's image. God who dwells with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in intimate forever kind of community and I thought that's that's what we've been created for we've been created to love forever and that's why the goodbyes hurt so much and so when I explained that to my 14 year old son who knows everything he thought about it and thought hmm I guess you're right mom so now I'm glad to hear that he's gonna cry at somebody's funeral I did I didn't think she was right I understood I said, well, God created us to be forever loving him, right. forever with him, to be to be good, as good as him. And in his image, he is forever. And we are also in his image, so we are built to love forever, to be in relationship forever, to have everlasting things. But on this earth, things don't last forever. And every time we lose something, every time something doesn't last forever, we can feel that inside of us, this remnant that God leaves in us about how you're not made. We're not made we're for not losing. Made for we're, made, we're made for for relationship forever. Forever relationship, which is why endings are painful for, to us. That is why we are that's supposed why it to hurt so much when that's we why, have to say goodbye. That, that's why a wedding is a time for mourning. A wedding? You mean funeral. A funeral. A funeral. I get that mixed up. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're talking about that everlasting hope that only Christians have right. in Jesus Christ. And that's why, you know, we stayed here at Evidence and Answers, that when it comes to the problem of evil and suffering, Christianity is really the only one that can offer any meaningful message of hope in the midst of our difficult times. Because in the end... In the end, we ultimately win through Jesus Christ, who conquered sin and death and will be forever with the Lord. That's why Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 13, that we do not grieve as those who have no hope. We do grieve. Indeed, we do, but not as those who have no We have an abiding hope that can never be taken away, that will never come to an end. But it's for those who know Jesus Christ. Well, you know, Ian and Randy and Jill, it's been a great time, and I'm we're so Grateful that you were able to share your story with us. As we bring this interview to a close, why don't you give us some final words of what you can say to that person out there who's going through that dark tunnel and they don't see any light at the end of the tunnel. And it just seems it's just wave upon wave of trial and suffering that's coming upon them. What advice can you give them in this time while they're in that dark tunnel? Mm. When I am in a dark tunnel, I trust Jesus and I trust him even when it seems impossible even when it seems like my trusting does nothing I still keep trusting him that's the hardest thing that I've ever done just to say oh it's not doing anything but to keep trusting him and not turning away and just just never never doubting that he won't disappoint me even though it feels like I'm being disappointed I I keep trusting that no there's still something in this plan that involves salvation even if it means going to heaven there's still some trust that i keep in god always that's great advice in proverbs 3 trust in the lord with all your heart lean not on your own understanding so even when we can't understand you're saying trust in him and that's great advice yes randy what about you 
Well, I'm just thinking about Jesus and about the life that he lived. And firstly, you know, for us to kind of endure things, I, I would have to say without a regular ingestion, <laughs> a regular reading of the Bible, it'd be really easy to forget about Jesus. Reading his word and reading it for for what it is and regularly helps me to spend time knowing about the life of Jesus. And when I look at his life, his life was a life of trial and suffering. We have a verse in the scriptures that says, but for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. And the cross, that terrible, terrible, torturous trial that he endured on our behalf was always set before him. And he it was part of a plan from the beginning. He knew that that's where he was heading. And when he engaged in relationships with his dear friends, when he was here with us on earth, he wept when they died. He, he struggled over the pain and suffering that he had to watch and endure himself. But it says, but for the joy set before him, he did it and now is seated at the right hand of the Father, preparing. He said he goes to prepare a place for us and that he would uh, be ever present. He said, I'll be with you always. And that's one of the things we got to experience in going through the trial is his very presence because it says that he is near to the brokenhearted. And so I think that preparation for trials Mm -hmm. can come through just regularly seeking him in his word and in the community of other believers and that when the trials come, he does show up. We don't even have to do anything. He shows up, and that's grace. Yeah, that's fantastic. That's a great point you bring up, Randy, that the God of the universe did not stand by and watch us in our suffering. He came into our world yeah. and suffered alongside with us. So he understands all that we went through. And if the Son of God had to suffer, how come we Christians feel we're, we're immune to suffering or we're not supposed to suffer, mm-hmm. you know? So that's a great word of advice you give there, Randy. Well, Jill, you get the final word here. Oh, what thank you. you. <laughs> What's the question again? <laughs> oh, for those moms out there or ladies going through some very difficult times, it's just wave upon wave right. of, of pain they see coming their way. What advice do you have to give to them? Uh, I remember... I remember asking that question, where is God when I'm hurting? Where is God when I'm suffering? And I believe through all that I've been through, I think what he's saying to me is that I am right here. I am right here. And when we're suffering, it makes us look for him. And he as he's here to answer. He's saying, I'm right here. And uh, when we started heart failure, I was in Psalm 46. And it, he says that God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. And I often was trying to run to him as my refuge. But when you go to the bomb shelter, for refuge, you still hear the rumbling of the bombs overhead. You still might see the dust crumbling down as the world around you is shaking. And so there's still no, there's no guarantee that we won't get out of this world unscathed. But I believe that in the pain and the suffering, God is saying, I am right here. And again, I just want to reiterate what Randy was saying, that all scripture is inspired by God, profitable for teaching, reproof, and something else, right? (laughs) But it's all God breathed. And I feel like if I wasn't in God's word, I wouldn't have his word breathing life and hope and help to me. And so I want to encourage all the moms who are 
in a time of suffering, anybody, to be in God's words because his, his life, his word is living and active and it, it meets them and it meets us in whatever moment we're at, whether we need correction, whether we need hope, whether we need to repent, whether we need truth or to have our minds washed, that happens as we read the word. And he is is and has been so faithful to me as I read God's word. I don't think I'd be sitting here today with hope and joy and assurance of his love and that he's for me had I not been in God's word. So never lose sight of God's word, no matter how dark your world gets. Because he's right here. Fantastic. You've been listening to Evidence and Answers with my good friends, the Rogers family, Ian, Randy, and Jill today sharing their powerful story of how faith in Christ and the people of God made a big difference in one of their most difficult times in life. And I'm sure it's been an inspiring and meaningful show that has spoken to you in many ways. If you want to hear the entire interview, go to evidenceandanswers.org. But we want to thank Rogers family for being with us for sharing your story and thank you for being with us here on Evidence and Answers. Yeah, thank you so much, Pat. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers radio broadcast. We hope you enjoyed Pat's show today. If you find this broadcast to be of a great value to you, please partner with us. Evidence and Answers relies on generous support from you, our listeners. For the opportunity to donate and keep us on the air, you may do so right there online on the homepage of our website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. You'll find we have a wide variety of resources available to you, including articles, additional audio, and Pat's books. Please be sure to share our website with your family, your friends, and your church. Evidence and Answers is grateful for our key sponsor, Highland Capital Management, providing investors with alternative investment solutions. To learn more, please visit their website at hcmlp.com. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide reasons for faith and hope in Christ right here on Evidence and Answers. Yeah.